This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So the Mishnah we're learning tonight in Pirkei Avos is in Perek Hay. If you want to look it up, Mishnah Yud Gimel, which coincides with. With Parshas Lech Lecha. We're going to find where we need to find. Actually, it might be Parshas Vayero. Parshas Vayero. She's like, yeah, the story of Sidon. Oh, here we go. Okay. Okay. So the mission says the following. Arba midais ba'adam. There are four types of people. Four types of people in the world. There are people who say, Shali, Shali. What is mine is mine. B'shalcha shalach. I think that's most people. What's mine is mine. And what's yours is yours. Pretty much most, most people are like, what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. Zemi debaninis. That's the middle person. Then the Mishnah says something very hard to understand. The Yeshayimrim. Well, there are rabbis that say, there's a terrible midah. Yours is yours. And other people's belongs to them. Mine is mine and yours is yours. Terrible midah. Sedaim. Those people should be destroyed. Sedaim was destroyed, which we'll have to think about for a minute why. But he's saying that that was the midah of Sedaim. That's not such a bad midah. Listen, I don't want what you have. I don't want you to have what I have. Have a good day. Right? Most of us are like that. Says <laughs> Mishnah, it's a midas sedaim. Shali shalach, mine is yours. Whatever I have belongs to you. V'shalcha shali, and whatever you have belongs to me. I'm aretz. That's a fool. Whatever's mine is yours. Whatever's yours is mine. That doesn't make any sense. So that's a fool. Not a rasha. He's a dope. Doesn't make any sense. Why would I give, why is what I have yours and what you have mine? Doesn't make any sense, person who thinks that way. Okay. Shali shalach. What is mine is yours. Vishalcha shalach. And what is yours is yours. You can have whatever I have, and you keep what you have. Chasid. It's a tzaddik. Shalcha shali. What you have is mine. Vishali shali. And what mine is mine is Russia. That's a Russia. What's the difference between a Russia and Midas Sedaim? Midas Sedaim, it says, is a person who says, mine is mine and yours is yours. A Russia, we understand, is very, very bad. He's saying, everything's mine. Mine is mine. Yours is mine. Nothing belongs to anybody. Everything belongs to me. Life and the world is all around me. So we understand that that's a Russia. 
But who's worse? A Russia or Sedaim? For sure, Sedaim. Because a Russia can do tshuva. Sedaim, it doesn't seem to be that they could do tshuva. Because Avram Avinu, after bantering back and forth with God in Pashas Vayera, so it says that he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hashem says to him, Vayayma Hashem, Tzaka Sedaim Amora Ki The cries from Sedaim and Amora are many. The Chatosam, he covered them all, and their sins are very heavy. So, Abraham Avinu came to Hashem, and he said, maybe there's 50 tzaddikim, would you save them? Yes. Maybe 40, right? He went through the whole thing. If I find 50, I would save them. Then he said, uh, if you find 40, would you save them? And he said, if you find 45, yes. 40, yes. 30, yes. 20, yes. Finally, he said, Hashem, don't get angry. But if you find 10, Hashem said, I wouldn't destroy them. And there was no more discussion. And for some reason at this point, there was no more discussion. Risham can do tshuva, but at this point, there weren't 10 tzaddikim. That Baruch Hu said goodbye, have a good day. And a very big question that we all should have is that Avram Avinu was able to be Makarev, the world. He had an unbelievable power of Kirov. He was even better than me and Eshator and Ornava and all of us and Orsameach and, and, and the Vey and all the places that we're able to be Makarev kids. He was Avram Avinu. Get on a horse. Go to Sodom. Get up on a stender and make them do tshuva. He never even tried. He never said, Hashem, let me speak to the people in Sodom and try to change them. Why not? Why not? And it seems to be that according to this Mishnah, that a person who says, mine is mine and yours is yours, is on that level that even Avram Avinu can't help them. I would think that the person who says, everything is mine, that's the guy that you have a big problem with. What's going on here? Why is Rabbi Wallstein teaching us Pashas Vayera when we're in Pashas Devarim? Why is he teaching us this Mishnah in the middle of the nine days? So I'm going to explain you the answer. And I think it's one of the biggest problems of our generation. And let me tell you what happened here. When a person does something wrong, and everybody does something wrong, I do things that are wrong. The biggest tzaddik does, ain't tzaddik ba'aretz asher loy echta. There is no tzaddik that didn't sin, even Moshe Rabbeinu sinned. And that's why he couldn't go into Eretz Yisrael. So there's no perfect person that didn't sin, even though there's a Gemara that says that Yishai and a few other people who went into Ganeiden, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the Nachash or other people, if it wasn't for the snake when the Eitzhadas that we ate from, then they wouldn't have died because they had no sins. But the Maish of the Gemara also says that there is no person that has no sins. But we're not on that level. We're definitely not Yishai. And we're not Tzarech Basasher. So for sure, all of us have sinned. I'm, I'm sorry to say that. I'm not accusing you of any sins. But I myself have sinned. And everybody sins. 
So why didn't Avram Avinu give these guys a shot? Why didn't he go to Sidaim and try to get them to do tshuva? Yonah got punished, got swallowed up by a fish because he did not believe that Ninveh would do tshuva. Or actually he did think they would do tshuva and then the guy would do tshuva and then there'd be something, a problem with... So he was in big trouble for not going and saving the city of Ninveh, that he knew in the Vias that Hashem was going to kill, as it says in Yonah, the children, the family, the parents, the children, and the animals. Exactly what happened in Sodom. So he got punished for not wanting to go down. So why, why did Avraham Avinu get punished for not wanting to go down? And why is Avraham Avinu asking Hashem, is it 40, is it 50, is it, go down, and see if there are 10 tzaddikim. Why are you asking Hashem if there's 10 tzaddikim? What's going on over here? What, what's, what's going on over here? So the problem is as follows. Sodom had a theory. In Sodom's eyes, what they did, what they used to do is as follows. If a poor man came to town collecting money, they would kill him. There was a girl that gave, the measure says, a poor man to eat. And they went ahead and they smeared her with honey. And they hung her up on a tree, and thousands of bees came and stung her, and killed her. And the Medrash says that on the Pasuk, that says Hashem heard their cries. Whose cries did Hashem hear when he finally de- de- decided to destroy Sadaim? He heard Nebuchadnezzar's poor girl's cry when the bees were biting her to death. A terrible death. Why did the Sodomites kill her in such a weird way? Hang her up on a tree, smear her with honey till bees bite her? Because they were so twisted that they had their own religion. And their religion was in the name of God. It was in the name of God. And it was, it made more sense than Avraham Avinu's religion. Why? They said like this. If you're poor, why are you poor? Because God made you poor. So a person who gives charity to a poor person is messing with God. You think you're God? God made them poor? And now you're going to make them rich? You are an apicotus. You are anti-God. You have to die. If a person doesn't have a place to sleep, and you give him a place to sleep, you're meddling in what God wants. So what was their punishment, these creeps? What did they do? Listen to this. If you were tall and you were collecting tzedakah, they would put you into a little bed and they would cut your limbs down until you felt you fit into the bed. So they would cut your legs off and you'd bleed to death. If you were short, they would put you in a big bed and they would pull your bones out to fit the bed, and you would die a terrible death. Why? What are you? Mashah, right? They said, no, it's Sadiqim. The poor man's coming, and he's going against God. Listen to this. They had a whole book of laws. It's amazing. You're coming and collecting tzedakah, and you're a tall guy, which means you're not accepting 
the position in life that God gave you. God made you poor, and you're not accepting it. You want to get money. So that means you don't accept the way God made you. So that must be that you don't accept the way God made you physically. So if you're not happy, if you're not happy, then we're going to put you in a bed, and you're very tall. We're going to help you go, you want to go against God? We're going to change you. Since you don't accept God anyway, we're going to change you, and we're going to cut your legs off. Or we're going to stretch you out. Because you're not happy with the way that God created you. So if you're not happy, what are we doing wrong if we're changing the way God created you? You yourself want to change. You're collecting money. Sick. Downright sick. Why do they smear her in honey? They said, you're trying to be sweet. You're trying to help poor people. You want to be sweet against God? You have the nerve to go against God. God wants this man to be poor, and you're giving him charity? You want to be sweet? So your punishment, me the connected me, the mamish taira, that taira. Me the connected me, the, you want to be sweet to go against God. Now we're going to make you sweet. You're going to die being sweet. So we're going to smear you with honey by a bee's nest, and that's how you're going to die. And they were full of themselves, and they had a taira with judges and mitzvahs based on this total corrupt theory. To the point where Eliezer, the Eved of Abraham Avinu, came down to Sodom. A guy walked over to him, smacked him in the head with a rock. He was gushing blood. He went to the police. He said, oh my gosh, you have to arrest this guy. And they said, no, we're going to arrest you. And he said, why are you arresting me? Medrash says the story. Why are you arresting me? And they said, because you owe him money and you didn't pay him. He said, I owe him money. I never took money from him. They said, yes, but now that he hit you and you're bleeding. So in the old days when a person had a high blood pressure, they used to take leeches and put leeches all over you. They would suck out your blood and your blood pressure would go down and would make you healthy. They said, he saved you all the leeches. He made you gushing blood. Now your blood pressure went down. We pay a lot of money for that. So you... We're taking you to court, and the judge is going to figure out, since you bled so much, how much money you owe this guy. Eliezer saw, they're nuts. They're corrupt. They're crazy. So he comes to court, and the judge says, hey, you owe this guy a lot of money. He made you, you were gushing blood, and we paid big money for that. Eliezer said, are you serious? And the judge said, yes, $100. You pay him? Or we kill you. So it says in the Medjish, Eliezer picked up a rock and he fired it at the judge and the judge was gushing blood. So the Medjish says, Eliezer said to the judge, now you owe me $100, you pay him and have a good day and he left. <laughs> the famous Medjish. The Medjish says, you're going to mess with a Jewish guy? I mean, hello. You're not, it's not going to work out. So this whole basis of Sudaim was that they were right. That what they were doing was right. A Russia, a person who knows that they're doing something wrong, they can do tshuva. But a person in the name of God who sins will never do tshuva. Because if you think you're doing the right thing, you're never going to do tshuva. So Aram Avino had a big question. And he said to God, I don't know the minds of men. I cannot read the minds of men. Are there ten people in Sodom who really believe 
in this religion who really believe it's correct and they're doing it in the name of God, Hashem, would you save them? And Hashem said, there are not ten people in Sodom, there is not one. The religion didn't come first. The lust for murder, the lust of hurting another person came first, and then they created the religion around it. So they're a bunch of fakers. It's not they have this religion, and that's why they do. No. They wanted to hurt somebody, but they had to make it right in their head. So they created the religion afterwards. There was no way that Avraham Avinu could know this. Only Yodea Mashabos, only a Kurdish Baruch Hu who knows the thoughts of people could, could know this. So a Kurdish Baruch Hu said, what came first? Came first their lust of murder. Came first their stinginess that they don't want to give any money. Now they have to make it right. So they created a religion around it. So Avraham Avinu, when he heard that, turned around and walked away and said, there's nothing to do here. There's no one to help here. Says the missionary in Pirkei Avos. A person who says, mine is mine and yours is yours. He's not just saying that. He is saying, listen, Hashem gave me what I had. You don't have any money. Yours is yours. You're poor. Too bad. I'm not here to help you. I'm not going to go against God. So whatever you have, that's all you're ever going to have. Because that's what Hashem gave you. I'm not going to help you. Says the Mishnah, that's exactly what Saddam said. Saddam said, mine is mine and yours and yours. And if you're poor, we're not helping you. And it says also in the Medrash that they had no doctors. If someone's sick, they let him die. Because if Hashem made you sick, why should we help? Why should we? That means Hashem wants you to die. Why should we help you? So they were extremely corrupt. But because they were very bad, mean, vicious people. Amazing. So we live in a democratic world. Sounded really great. Democracy. Freedom of everything. Freedom of religion. Freedom of the press. Sounds fantastic. The Sahara understood that he's going to use this freedom to corrupt so that you can do whatever you want because every person has a right to express themselves in any way they want and any every person has a right to live the lifestyle whatever they want and you could cause a lot of pain to other people and in a democracy it's upon the person who got hurt, the victim, to prove that the other person is guilty. It's not upon the person who hurt the other person to prove that they're innocent. I'm involved in a very big court case right now about a child that went through very hard and very hard abuse. And the victim becomes victimized because if the lawyer for the defendant can put any doubt in the minds of the jury he says himself I do not have to prove the accused my customer that he didn't do it I don't have to prove that the prosecutor has to prove 100% beyond any doubt that the person did it I don't have to prove anything it's upon the prosecutor to prove 
let the person hurt the other person. So the defendant, the person who got hurt, has no rights. It's a democracy. And there is so much going on. And so many of us, and this is the biggest problem, so many of us believe in what we're doing wrong, that it's right. You know, there's a famous saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I did it in the name of God. I have heard the most corrupt, twisted theories from girls and people why they're doing what they're doing. And in the end, it always ends up that it's L'Shem Hashem. It's, I mean, I, I don't even want to repeat the stories because they're crazy stories. The, the most biggest avarious, there was, there was a woman who committed adultery. She was married. She committed adultery. And they asked me to speak to her. And she told me that even though she committed adultery, it must be it's what Hashem wanted. And I said, how could you say that? The Torah says you're not allowed to commit adultery. She said, well, if Hashem didn't want it, then the guy that I slept with wouldn't have been lived two houses away from me. If Hashem put him two houses away from me, that means that really, he was really my zivug, and I really married the wrong one. So I went back to my real zivug, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, are you serious? Are you just like, you're on drugs? (laughs) Did you like smoke before you walked into my house? Like, Hashem put him two houses away from you because he's your real zivug? Come on, well, she said to me, well, if he wasn't my real zivug, why didn't Hashem put him in New Jersey? And then I would have never met him. So she's walking around, doing this Aveira, Chayev Misa, and in her head, She's Mekayim, her real zivug. That's the power of the Yetzirah. He twists our minds to actually believe that the things that we're doing are correct. But Hashem is Yudea, Revavos. And He knows which came first. Did you really want to do the Avera and then you made the excuse? And that's always the story. I mean, I told you a very famous story that happened with me. So for some reason, people think that I'm really good at talking to atheists. So a lot of people come to me and they're like, I'm an atheist. Some people want attention. You know, so some, some people, like a girl came to me and she says, I'm an atheist, Rebbe Wallstein. I am an atheist. I'm like, translate. She's like, um, I don't know, my friend said I'm an atheist. <laughs> I said, you know what an atheist is? She goes, I don't know, like I'm not really happy with Hashem. I'm like, then you're not an atheist. Because you just said you're not happy with Hashem, means you believe there's Hashem. So you're not really an atheist. You're a wannabe atheist. <laughs> why do people want to be an atheist? And why do we have so much atheism right now? And the answer is very simple. There's so many sins that we can't do if God's in our life. So if I get rid of God, I can do anything I want. So, this guy... A friend of mine actually came to me and he said that he has a friend that he's like in his 40s, he's Hasidish, and he decided that he doesn't believe in God. I'm getting to, I'm beginning to hear this a lot lately. A lot of people are atheists. I mean, I told you the story last week of a firm girl who came to me and said, I don't want religion. She wasn't an atheist, but Hashem, now she's, she's doing much better because we, we spoke about the whole car system and the whole lighting the candle, whatever it was. Anyway, so he tells me his friend's an atheist and he's, He's mamish, he's very smart, they're very intelligent, and um, he, he doesn't believe in any God. He says, he doesn't believe in God? He says, no, he, he 
he tells all of us that he, he's, uh, he's an un, what do they call them? The un, um, the unmoranos. It's a new group called the unmoranos. Moranos were Spanish, with Spanish Jews who outside looked like Goyim and behind doors were acting like Jews. The unmoranos, they look like Jews on the outside and behind doors they act like Goyim. Serious, there's a whole group. Whole group, they're called the unmoranos. So, yeah, but it's all Taiva. That's what I want to tell you, talk to you tonight. It's all, it's all, it has nothing to do with God. God has nothing to do with it. Anyway, so this guy's telling me he, they're freaking out, all the friends, and, and he's Mamish Machal Shabbos, but his kids are, he, you know, no one knows about it. He's Machal Shabbos, he eats Chazer, he ate on Yom Kippur, he's, he's, he's doing every other in the world, and while you have to talk to him, you have to help him, his wife's going crazy, he's from, his kids are from. I'm like, see this guy, 45 years old, became an atheist. Come on. He's got his friends. He's got his tish. He's got his kugel and his chulant and his kishka. You know, he's got the whole Heimish Kai. He's got the whole five chasidis. He's got Zmiris on Shabbos. I mean, really, really, if you break it down, life as a Jew is great. Nobody has more vacation than us. Right? The guy I'm like, we don't, I, I deal with him in business, like, we don't have a holiday in Christianity that's eight days long. You know, like, we just get one present, you guys get eight, you know? They don't, they don't. we have Hanukkah eight days, Sukkis, they don't know what's going on, it's like Shavuos is like two days, like what happened there? Like the rabbis, like, rabbis couldn't get eight days out of it, like you know, the t- till the Torah got down, they think it's very funny, but Lamaisa, it's unbelievable, if you really look at Yiddishkeit, and you don't have something wrong going on, that you're trying to hide, you really don't have something going on, something in the Torah that you want to sneak out and do, just look at this religion. Okay, you have to wear a long skirt. Is that worth just giving it all up for? No. Is that so hard? Thank you. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Do you think that the women, I deal with women in business, that are on a very high level, they're CEOs and CFOs, I have never seen any of them ever in any of the companies that I deal with dressed with a short skirt. They walk in, they got that blue suit, the skirt and the jacket, the blouse is close till here, usually wearing a little gold thing over here. They are dressed for business. Do you think any one of them ever said, that's it, I'm the CFO of Walgreens, I'm making $200,000 a year, I'm done with this, I have to wear a long skirt. Of course not. They have a job. That's the uniform of the job. No problem. They're working for 40 years, and they come to work, and they're going. And they're going. It's not how they get dressed at home. And they come to work, 9 to 5, actually from 7 to 5, some of them from 6.30 to 5. Halavai, that we would love Yiddishkeit the way they love to come to work. One of the, one of the chief operating officers, I'm not going to say the company that I deal with, she tells me, if you want to reach me, I'm in my office at 6.30 a.m. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not. <laughs> you want to talk to me, it's going to be pillow talk. Because that's where I am. My head is on the pillow. She's there at 6.30, and she comes from Jersey. And she takes mass transit. She leaves her house at 5.30 in the morning. And she loves what she does. And she's good at what she does. And she doesn't complain how long her skirt is. Because she's happy with what she's doing. She's not looking to get out of that job. Okay, so you have to wear a long skirt. So, 
what do you what do you what do you have? What, what does Hashem give us? One day a week, he's like, you can sit down and you can relax and you can talk to your kids and you can talk to your husband and if you're not married, you can eat and sleep and relax and there's no cell phone and no buzz in your head. You can find out who you are. You can meditate. You can talk to your mommy with nobody home. You can talk to your sisters. You can sit at the table and look around at your family. You can connect. And you have three meals. What's so bad about that? There are people dying to do that. Someone just told me, a Jewish guy that I know, that he went away with a whole group of Michigan into the woods for seven, eight days. He said he got bitten up with ticks. They put him in a, in a, in a room to meditate that was a hundred degrees. So they were sitting in the woods, they didn't have a toilet, and an outhouse. So he didn't go to the bathroom for three days. He said, he said I didn't eat because I didn't want to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I said to him, you're Miss Sugar, why would you do that? He said, do that? Movie stars were there. He said, rich, rich people from Manhattan, movie stars from L.A. He told me some of the names that were there. I said, why would you guys go there? He says, because there's a place where you get away, there's no electricity, and there's no running water, and you just get away, and you find out. They have this guru, shmuru, and you sit there, and you find out who you are. I'm like, I could find that out with a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> I sit on Chavez, and I got, I got children in Kishka, and I find out who I am. I don't need to be bitten by ticks and have an outhouse for a toilet. Do you know how much money they paid for that? To get away, and every and every single week, Hashem says you, you can have a toilet, you can have a bathroom, you can have children in Kishka. You don't have to get bitten by ticks living out in the hicks, right? In the woods, freezing at night and sweating by day. Shabbos, and we're like, ugh, I hate that day. And I go to camp, and I'm like, what's your worst day of the week, right? And I'm figuring it's going to be like Sunday, visiting day. And they're like, Shabbos, it's so boring. I might actually find out who I am. I might actually be forced to spend some time with me. Ugh, I hate me. I'm like, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the source of the problem. Most of us don't like ourselves. So we don't want to spend time with ourselves. And Hashem says, one day a week you need to find yourself. Because I can't have a relationship with someone who doesn't know who they are. You know, when we do Nebuch, when we have to do Shalom Bias, when two, a husband and a wife are not getting along, do you know how we do that, how we set it up? We set it up as follows. Before we send them to a guidance counselor or to a therapist for their a marriage counselor, the first thing we do is we send each one of them separately to a therapist. Because I can't put two shattered pieces together and make one. So we have to make each one whole. We make the wife whole. She goes for a year to therapy. We make the husband whole. And then we try to put the whole halves together and make a whole. But if they're not whole and I put them together, I just got a bunch of broken pieces of glass. It makes nothing. So Hashem wants to have a relationship with every girl in this room. But Hashem can't have a relationship with someone who's not whole. You've got to be whole. So He says every Shabbos, it's time to find yourself. Because during the week, you're talking 
You're running around. You're not sleeping. You're on your phone. You're banging into walls. You don't know where you're going. You're studying. You're working. You're, you're, you're out of your mind. And then, and then they make you go out and you got to prepare and you got to get 66 hours to get dressed. And then finally, after the six hours of getting dressed, the guy rings the bell and you're like, I don't like this dress. <laughs> and your mother has to figure out how to talk to this guy about every stupid thing so for the next 15 minutes you can get redressed. And you have all this going on, Hashem likes, I know that I can't, I can't get into your life during the week. We'll get a mincha, we'll get a shachos, but to really get to know you, that's not going to work. So I'm going to give you a shachos, 26 hours, me and you. Ugh, I hate that. Shabbos, it's stupid. It's boring. I have nothing to do expect spend time with my family. Ugh. And myself. The two most miserable things in my life. Myself and my family. Hashem, why did you do this to me? And people are paying ashrams to go $25,000 to go to some guru who's sitting there and telling you you have to fast. And you got to go into the woods and spend three days without a bathroom. And then you'll find out who you are. And you'll think you're a deer or something. I don't know what they <laughs> expect you to find out who you are. And we pay a lot of money for this. 100%. And a, a boy just told me, Rebbe, you got to try this. They have a place in Manhattan. I'm not even going to tell you because you're going to start Googling looking for it. Place in Manhattan any day during the week. You pay a certain amount of money, you go into a room, it's padded. 20 minutes, you can scream at the top of your lungs. For 20 minutes straight, you walk out, you're a new person. <laughs> Promise. MS, MS. You Google it, you'll find out. 20 minutes. They have 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, that's it. You can't scream for an hour. You imagine? You're having a tough... And it, it was like, Rabbi, this is amazing. Right? This is amazing. i got to find out that place. Imagine. We're human beings. Imagine the Malach looking into that room. You walk in. Right? Okay, here's a hundred bucks for those 15 minutes. We are, we're out of it. A scream room. Ornava, Avivit. We have our budget settled. We're gonna make a scream room in the middle of Brooklyn. We'll have lines. I'm serious, it's a brilliant idea. Walk in, scream at the top of your life, and they say the people walk out and they're like, oh, thank you. They walk out and they're like, I'm good. I'm really good. I'll see you next week. They're booked. So Shabbos, Shabbos, Hashem says 26 hours. And then what do we have? Let's see. Then when we eat, we make a bracha. We don't just stick it in our mouth and we spend two seconds. And we wash our hands a lot. We go out of the bathroom and we wash our hands. What a crazy idea, right? Kids tell me, well, I don't have to wash my hands. What kind of mitzvah is that? Meanwhile, you go to any restaurant... You walk into the bathroom, it says, all employees must wash their hands. Any food place in the world, it says, all employees must wash their hands. Nobody ever came up to me and said, what a stupid thing! Because you don't want the employee touching your food if he didn't wash his hands. <laughs> so the Tilan Sidaim, and the person has to wash his hands, when he comes out of the bathroom, the person has to wash his hands before, now, I'm not telling you it's for cleanliness, because then you're going to tell me, well, then why can't I use uh, one of those wipes or whatever it is? But Akash created a beautiful Torah, and everything has a reason. But when, when it's everyone else, when it's not Torah, it's brilliant. When it becomes Torah, it's not brilliant. So you break down, you break down what he wants from us, and you break down even praying, right? 15 minutes mincha praying. It's healthy. You don't need a scream room. You, you spend 15 minutes, and you can cry, and you can open a sitter, and you can talk to Hashem, and you can let your emotions out. You don't need a scream room. Hashem says you can scream at me anytime you want. Whatever you want. You can cry to me, you can scream at me, you can laugh with me. 
Yiddishkeit is beautiful. What is bad about Yiddishkeit? You're not allowed to hit your wife. You're not allowed to talk nasty to your parents. You, you're not even allowed to say a bad word, Lashon Hara, about anyone else. Imagine living amongst a religion where all the Jews in that religion, nobody in, the, in, the, in your religion, in your surroundings, would ever talk bad about you. We're not allowed to embarrass somebody. Isn't that amazing? But if you read it in a book, you'd say, wow, the Mormon religion is so beautiful. You're not allowed to embarrass anybody. And never let's say anything bad. The Mormons are amazing. The Mormons don't have that myth, so we do. And the whole thing of 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 Taras Hamashpacha. Taras Hamashpacha, the idea with non-Jews, and they had this book that was written about a woman that was going to the mikvah in California. And it was a bestseller. She got murdered or something happened. And it was no, it's it's fiction, but it's a book that's written. So so everybody who got this book, it was a New York Times bestseller, they asked their Jewish friend, what's a mikvah? Pool of water, what's a mikvah, right? So I took out these people, whatever, and they were not Jewish women, that were the, they were buyers and business women, and they asked me, what is this mikvah thing? This holy pool of water, and why do you need it? So I told them the basis of Taras and Mishbacha. And every one of these guys that was sitting around the table were in awe. They said... That's how you treat your wives? You mean that once a month they're like newlyweds? They're like queens? They were like, what a fantastic idea. Oh my God, had 612 other ones. (laughs) To them, it's amazing. You're not just a piece of meat. You're not just an animal. There's a kedusha. There's an actual kedusha in something that's very physical. They're amazing Yiddishkeit. And we're trying to get out the back door. We hate everything. Why do I need to be religious? And you just can't eat anything. There are certain things that you can't eat and there are certain things that you can't eat. What is so? What do you need? You need you need a cheeseburger? You need a cheeseburger? You think you need a cheeseburger? You can have cheese and you can have a burger. The only reason why you want a cheeseburger is because they have a cheeseburger. It probably doesn't even taste good. And don't ever raise your hand and say, I was, I'm about you, but it does taste good. I don't want, and no one needs to know what, what it is or what it isn't. We don't have enough restaurants. We don't have enough food. It's hard to be a Jew. You need a place to eat. There's no place to eat. It's an unbelievable religion. So if you're trying to get out of it, there's something going on. So I said, bring him to me. I want to talk to this atheist. So he comes up to my office, and he sits down, and I'm looking at this Chassidish guy. And I know he's Michal Shabbos, I know that he's eating treif. And he says, so I heard about you, Rabbi. So what are you going to tell me, all the stuff about Hashem and who created the world and all that? You're going to give me the whole story? I heard some of your speeches, I'm like, not you. You're not an atheist. Well, I'm an atheist. I belong to a group. I'm like, no, you're not an atheist. He goes, what do you mean I'm not an atheist? I'm, I'm like, you're having an affair. He said, what? I'm like, you're having an affair with a non-Jewish girl. He looks at me, he turns white. He's like, who told you? Nobody knows except my best friend. And my best friend swore he would never tell anybody. I'm like, your best friend didn't tell me. He says, you're, you're Macubal? <laughs> I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and 
and you got that affair line right above your right above your left eyebrow. There's a little line. That's when you have an affair. You get that line on your forehead, and you got that line, and it's blinking at me. I'm kidding. There's no such line. Hello. All of a sudden, everyone's going like this. Hey, Rabbi, how's the shirt going? Huh? I'm kidding. But I said to him, I'm not a Makovo. I said, listen to me. You're a 45-year-old Chesidish guy. You have a beautiful wife and beautiful kids. You're in yeshiva. You got your children, Jacob. You got a good business. You got a good life. Come on, you don't just wake up in the morning and say, there's no God. No, 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 no. What's the gain? What are you gaining? What are you, what, let's look at the paper. What are you giving up and what are you gaining? What are you gaining? What, you're going to walk into the place? What, what, what are you looking for? I said, there's no Shiloh. You have to get rid of God. So the Aveira came first. And then you got rid of God. Not you got rid of God and then you had an affair. I'm like, you're not fooling anybody and you're not an atheist and until you get rid of the shiksa, you're not going to believe in Hashem. But it has nothing to do with Hashem. It has to do with exactly what happened in Sodom. We don't want to help anybody. We want to be murderers. So we're going to make a religion that's going to make it okay. And I think that in the nine days, there's a lot of sinas chinam. I spoke about it last night. In the name of God. Especially in Shidduchim. Well, I have to tell them about this girl. I have to tell them about this. And I have to tell them that, about that. Because, you know, I don't want them to fall in with the wrong... You know, and and it's, it's, it's most of the time, if you go deep inside yourself, it's not because you want to be good. It's because you're jealous. Because you don't want that person to have something that you're not having. And that's the basis of Lashon Hara. And that's the basis of Kinnah. And it's very hard to know which comes first. And the only way to know which comes first, if you spend some time, I'm really, it's, it's so important because the, the people that I'm talking to, I, I think the greatest problem with all of us, including me, is that we don't know who we are. We really don't know who we are. There is an amazing video. I really should show it here. It's an amazing video where there's, where there's an artist and this is what he does. It's amazing. I mean, we, I mean, we can find it for you if you want to see it. It's an amazing video. There's an artist and he has a woman sitting and then he brings another person in who he doesn't see the woman. He doesn't see her. She's behind like a... But the person that he brings in is watch, is looking at that woman and he asks... The person, what the woman looks like. And he draws her from what the person looks like. And then she draws, she now, so in other words, she's sitting over there, the artist is here, he doesn't see her. He asks her, okay, what's, what's, what does her nose look like? Tell me her cheeks, tell me her forehead, tell me the color of the hair. And from what she tells him, he draws she leaves. She doesn't hear her. She leaves. Then he asks the girl that's sitting there, okay, I want to draw you, right? I don't, I don't want to see you. Describe yourself. And then she describes herself. Her nose, her this, her that, her demeanor and everything else. And he draws what she thinks she is. Now, you don't see yourself, really, as well as other people see you. So now... He shows the drawing to her of how she drew herself, and she's, and she's like, 
she, she's a very depressed person, so hollow cheeks, you know, eyes that are drooping, not a pretty nose, not a pretty face, and that's her picture. And then he says, but now I want to show you who you really are because you can't see yourself, but this other person describes you looking at you. And he shows the painting of what she really looks like. A beautiful, beautiful person. And he does this with a few people. It's amazing. And every single woman who looked at the painting that was was painted by what the other person described breaks down and cries and says, that's not me. That's me. And he's like, no. That's who you think you are. But she saw who you are. Godless. Godless video. Godless video. Because we don't know who we are. We don't know our greatness because we don't spend time with ourselves. And that's something that to, to be healthy in a marriage, to be healthy with your children, to be healthy in life, a person has to get to know themselves. And you know what? We're not the greatest things in the world. And we have some great things about us. And we have some things that are not great about us. And it's good to know what I can't do. Because if I'm going to try to do something that I can't do, I'm going to crash and burn. So there's certain things I just know I can't. I know that I can't sing. So when there's a choir, I'm not getting up there and ruining it for them and going to start singing because I don't have a voice to sing. There's certain things I know that if I'm going to jump and try to stuff a basket, I'm going to break both my knees because I can't jump. White men don't jump, right? I'm not getting up there into the basket and I'm going to be able to stuff the basket. So if I'm going to keep jumping, it's not going to happen. But I do know that there are other things that I can do. So I can focus on that and use my strength instead of trying to do things that I cannot do. But girls, the only way that you can do that is you must spend time with yourself. And when you spend time with yourself and you get to know yourself, then you're going to figure out what's coming first. Getting rid of Hashem, bringing Hashem in, or doing what you want to do, and that's why all of a sudden I don't believe. And that's what the mission is saying here. The mission is saying that a person who says mine is mine and yours is yours and nothing can be changed and the way I am is who I am and I can't change and the way you are is who you are and you can't change that's Sidoim that by the way is a good translation of Sinaschinam I can't help you because that's just the way Hashem wants you to be that's Sinaschinam Avaschinam is the one that says mine is yours and yours is yours. And I am yours. I had an interesting week. I'm not going to get into the story too deep, but I want you to all understand something. I went, to, I went to London this week to testify in a very, very terrible case. And I was very, very scared. I have never been in a court of law in my life. I've, never, I've def, definitely never been in London in a court of law. And I stood in front of those doors before I walked in. And I said, Akash Baruch Hu, I got three prayers. One, Hashem Sufasai Tiftach Ufiyagiti Lasecha. This guy is the number one lawyer who's, who's cross-examining me and trying to make me look stupid. The number one lawyer in all of England. He's the QC. He's the, the barrister of the queen. He's on the highest level. Who is Rabbi Wallstein to go up against this guy? So Hashem, 
I need the right stuff to come out of my mouth because I don't, I've never done this before. I said, ain't old Mavado, the end of the day, you're the only one. But I said something that I've never said before, and I wish it on to all of you that you'll ever get a chance to do this. I stood by those doors, and the usher was standing there. You know, the English are a little different than we are. That's for sure. They're all wearing these white wigs in court. That's what I didn't start laughing when I walked in. They would have thrown me out. I took one look at them and said, I took one look, and I know there's English people watching me on Torah anytime. It has nothing to do with you guys, but this is what I was thinking. I took one look at these guys in the wigs, right? They're in the white wigs. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's why July 4th we sent them back to England. You can't fight in a wig, man. I mean, come on. That's not going to happen, right? So anyway, I tried to loosen up, but, but I was very, very, ner- I was very, very nervous. And I said the following. And I'm not telling you this to be a show off, but I want you to all to one day have a chance to say the same thing. I said, Hineni Muchanam Zuman. Umekayim Mitzusasei. I am prepared to do the Mitzusasei. Shel Vahaftalarecha Kamocha. I am walking into this courtroom. This girl is not my daughter. This girl is not my niece. I'm walking in for somebody else's daughter. And I'm going to be Mekayim the Mitzvah. Because if this was my daughter, I'd be walking into this court. What a feeling! This is the biggest mitzvah in the Torah. Rabbi Akiva said, The whole Torah is to be able to help someone else for no reason. Why? Because what is mine is yours. And what is yours is yours. So if you need me, whatever I have to give is yours, says the Mishnah. I could have said, what is mine is mine. You're not my daughter. You're not my relative. What is mine is mine. And what is yours is yours. It's your problem, girl. You handle it. Go to your relatives. That's Sadaim. A Jew is everything is mine is yours, and everything is yours is yours. And there's an unbelievable Chazal, and the Chazal says, that's not what the Mishnah means. The Mishnah is talking about God. So when you're talking about God, now look at the Mishnah. When you say, Hashem, whatever is mine, is mine. Whatever is yours, is yours. Says one man, the Yama. So, that's a good guy, a middle guy. The other man, the Yama says, no. Not, whatever is yours is not Hashem's, you're Midas Sedaim. Then it says, if I say mine is mine and yours is mine, Hashem, everything you create, it's all mine. Nothing to do with you. So then you're, you're an atheist and you're agnostic and everything's yours, so you're a Russia. And the person who says, Hashem, whatever is yours is mine, whatever is mine is yours, so you're a fool. Everybody in this room has a chance to say that Pasuk. I'm going to cross this lady across the street. I don't know her. She's not my grandmother. She's not going to pay me. She's not going to tip me. She's miserable. She probably will kick me. She will definitely not say, she definitely will not say thank you. I am doing this because, because if it was me, I would want someone to cross me. They just asked me information about another girl. Instead of giving her bad information, even though I know something bad about her, I wouldn't want her to give bad information about me. I don't want someone to do that to me. I'm not going to do that to her. I'm a kind of the biggest mitzvah. Wow. 
You know what that's called? It's called Ahavas Chinam. It's called loving someone for no reason. And that's the only thing that's going to bring Mashiach. Because Sinas Chinam, the hating of God, the hating of somebody for no reason, is what destroyed the Beis Hamidosh. And we're sitting here today, and we're miserable. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. For a woman to come to me last week and tell me 10 days ago to bring me her daughter who's a little blondie, three years old with big brown eyes and she's sitting there and she's saying, well, Walter, I need divrei chizuk. I just found out that my daughter has leukemia and she has to have a bone marrow transplant. And this poor little kid is looking up at me and I'm like, this kid didn't smoke. She didn't eat the wrong food. She didn't eat too much red meat. She's not living next to a nuclear plant. So what's our excuse that she has cancer at three? What? And the answer is, it's sinas chinam. It's my fault that she's sitting there with cancer. What is cancer? Cancer is a cell that doesn't get along. The Rambam says, the Zoya says, if you want to understand the disease, if you broke your arm, then you did something wrong with your arm. If you have a, a, a blister in your mouth, a canker sore, means you said Lush and Hara. If you have a stomach virus, you ate something without making a bracha. So if there's cancer in the world, that means that all the cells in Kleisrael are not getting along with each other. Look at the disease. And how do you cure that disease? By killing the cancer cell, but at the same time killing the tzaddikim. You gotta kill the healthy cells together with the, with the not healthy cells. And this little girl, he, she's the healthy cell. She's the little tzaddikista. She's the healthy cell that never did an avera. She's not even 12 years old. She can't do an avera. But just like in the disease, you don't, can't just kill the cancer cell. All the stuff around it has to go. So yeah, all our tzaddikim have to die also. So it's based, the whole disease is based on sinas chinam, on not getting along. So what's the chemotherapy? What's the chemotherapy for sinas chinam? What's going to knock it out of the system? Avas chinam. That's the chemotherapy. That's the medicine. Just loving another Jew, helping another Jew, saying, for absolutely no reason at all. And if enough of us, until Tisha B'Av, take on upon ourselves and tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu that for the rest of the year, I am going to work on Amas Chinam, I am going to help people that I don't know. Sometimes I don't even like them. I'm going to do Amas Chinam. And all of us do this. It's going to be a shot of chemo for the Jewish nation's neshama that we're going to become healthy. And that's what the nine days are all about. The nine days are about Amas Chinam. Not about listening to a bunch of guys going, right, and all that music that has no music. It's not what it's about at all. Or having pizza and dairy and chocolate milk and coffee and I can't have a steak or have 20 seum so that I could have a steak. Because God forbid we should go nine days without a piece of meat between our teeth or without music. So we got to have music that sounds like music that you can't even tell is not music and then you find out it's four guys making crazy different noises and they're selling records. And that's the Avelis and I hate to say it that the Sinas Chinam that destroyed the Beit 2,000 years ago it's still here. And everybody in this room, you're right, you're just one, you're just one dose of chemo. 
Well, we don't know which one of those doses is going to kill the cancer. And we're going to become healthy. And we're going to become healthy. And then Akash Baruch is going to bring Mashiach. And he's going to build this base on Midrash. Every brick on this base on Midrash is going to be built out of Avas Chinam. Of helping Jews for absolutely no reason. And in the end, the funny part is that the more you help people for no reason, in the end, the healthier you become. Because if you help other people, then you feel good about it, and you feel good about yourself, it gives you the strength and the potential to grow and get rid of all the gook and stuff that you went through in your life. Trust me, the more you help other people, the more you clean out the gook in you of the stuff that you went through. The greatest medicine for our, for depression is to help other people. They just finished Camp Simcha for girls, and the counselor said to me, or Wallstein, you don't understand. I have come out of that camp so much healthier than when I went into that camp. They're the sick kids? No, they're healthy. They have crazy good attitudes. We're the girls who come in as counselors. We're the ones that are, until you come in there, you're like depressed about everything. You come out of there, it's amazing. She said, you don't understand. I, I, I went to a soda machine today and, and I pushed the button, the soda didn't come out. I'm like, you didn't put the money in? She goes, no, in Camp Simcha, you just push the button, the soda comes out. It's just a whole different psychology. She said, they didn't do anything for me. They don't sleep. They don't get paid. They're on a high for like two weeks, these girls. They're on a high. They get dressed in these weird stuff. I met them once at, uh, up in the store. They're like, I, I knew some of them. I'm like, they look like Farmer Jane. They were like dressed up in these crazy outfits with big red noses. And these are girls like that, you know. They're quiet girls doing the year with big red noses. They look like Mamish McDonald, you know, like that McDonald character, whatever it is. And, 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 the, and the, main, the main thing is Mishugas, right? And for two weeks, they're Mishuganas. And they come home and they're like, we didn't help these kids. These kids helped us. Do you know any of the kids in camp? No. Are any of them your relatives? No. So why'd you go? You don't even know who they are. And it's very hard to deal with kids that are so sick. And they're like, we just went to help and we got more than they got that's what we need to do everyone in this room you need to take on yourself before you want Nechama you're good you just help everybody you just keep writing good poems okay you know Rabbi, I just had one thing to say I went, went over to a woman who was orthodox and I said Shalom she said go to hell and stay away from me so you know what she didn't understand it's her loss. So you, what you have to do, Nancy, when someone's in so much pain, you have to say to yourself, oh my gosh, look how much pain this woman is in. I'm going to go home and I'm going to say to Hillam, you should have asked her, by the way, before I go to where you want me to go, I'd like to say a, capi- I'd like to say a capital to Hillam for you. So by the way, could you give me your Hebrew name? I'm serious. Look, look, look at you. Look at you just for one second before you go. Here you are. You're going over to this woman, Right? You're a beautiful person, and you're giving yourself over to her, and you're saying, I wish you a happy day. You're healthy. You're in a great place. This person comes back to you with all this anger. She's not healthy. She's in a lot of pain, right? So instead of getting angry, would you get angry at someone in a hospital who's in pain? No. You'd say, give me your name. I have to say to him for you. Okay. So that's what you need to do. You need to praise that lady that said that to me. God, make her happy. Okay. And then we make Hashem happy, and Mashiach will come. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.